I think it's first to work out what your objectives are and trying not to bite off everything in one go. You know, make sure that you get some success under your belt in the kind of mediums that you're really trying to kind of tackle. Um, you know, digital transformation can be a very big piece, kind of a very big project to undertake, especially if you're doing it, you know, globally, if you've got kind of lots of different touch points and lots of different kind of considerations to kind of factor in. Hello and welcome to the Is Digital podcast from ISDI. I'm Ian McMurray, International Content Specialist at ISDI. In this episode of Is Digital, we'll hear more opinions on digital transformation from five top digital business experts. We'll hear what they think is the best method to begin a digital transformation if they think there are any limits in implementing the necessary changes, what our experts feel are the factors that could help define future success, and finally, their thoughts on new technologies and the disruption that will imply. Our experts are all teachers on ISDI's Global Executive Master in Digital Business. They are Jason Stokes, CEO at Eastside Company, e-commerce specialists based in Birmingham in the UK. Stacy Bevan. Stacy is a mobile strategy expert and head of media at Mr. Green in the UK. Pablo Penny. Pablo is an app growth specialist, managing director at Feature Berlin. Moritz Dahn co-founder of Feature in Berlin and author of the Advanced ASO book. Kathy McCabe. Kathy is an online retail expert, CEO at Proximity Insight, based in London. It's difficult to know where to start with the digital transformation of a business, simply because there are so many factors to be taken into account. Change can be implemented in any number of areas, ranging from the way in which the business connects with the customer, all the way through to a complete evolution in the structure and methodology of the company. Just where would you start if it was up to you to bring a company into the digital era? I asked our experts, on an individual level, what advice would you give to those wishing to begin leading the digital transformation of their company? Jason Stokes. I think it's first to work out what your objectives are and trying not to bite off everything in one go. You know, make sure that you get some success under your belt in the kind of mediums that you're really trying to kind of tackle. Um, you know, digital transformation can be a very big piece, kind of a very big project to undertake, especially if you're doing it, you know, globally, if you've got kind of lots of different touch points and lots of different kind of considerations to kind of factor in. For me, it would always be to try and work out what the quick wins are, you know, what's going to have you know, the most amount of impact, where the low-hanging fruit is, and what you can kind of achieve in a short space of time, whilst still making sure you've planned for kind of a roadmap of activity for that kind of maximum immersion in digital. Pablo Penny. Build a culture of engagement, openness in your company, where, every, where, where teams are really involved with each other, learn from each other. Um, Cross-team collaboration, of course. I think it's it's that's that's not rocket rocket science saying that, but 
it's it, it doesn't always happen, but and it's it's hard to to, to implement. But we're a consultancy, we're a mobile growth consultancy feature, and basically we also work with we work with pretty startupy companies who have like fifty members, but we also work with big corporates. And you know, there, there are big corporates that also move very fast. And by moving fast, they can test quickly, churn out new products quickly. That's also possible for big companies. So basically, they have that kind of culture of learning, engagement, curiosity. Um, also, I think, um, yeah, you need to really make data-driven business decisions to get that strategic advantage. Uh, focus on the user, the user experience, if you're consumer-focused, the value to the user. When you build new products and uh, be agile like you need to be able to kind of um, adapt quickly think quickly um, mobile for instance moving so fast like um, able to, to stay stay like important in that sector to drive out churn out new tech you need to be able to, to work quickly um, I think make quick decisions also maybe just testing something and you know, throwing it away or taking it forward a different product and that, that'll really help you to, to be successful. Moritz Dan. I think start with um, start with tackling this fire uh, culture. I think like this shouldn't be just top down and but it should actually be um, ingrained in, in kind of the whole company DNA, company's DNA to accept kind of that being digital or uh, going digital and, and then being digital uh, rather than um, just top down uh, deciding like okay, you now need to start using this this process and having people also showing people what the opportunity of of um, the digital transformation is right showing them the opportunity the, the the things that they can do and they couldn't do before with with new tech Rather than just saying like, oh, you have to fill in this this new form and, and this new tool that we put out, um, but getting people excited about the opportunity. Kathy McCabe. I think you need to have a very clear focus. Um, my recommendation would be to focus on one to two areas where you can experiment and innovate at the edge. Try not to do too much, um, but pick those areas that are really clear where you think you're going to. Um, learn most and also really drive your vision overall. Um, that would be my advice. Having the right mindset is so important when we begin any kind of transformation, independent of the scale of operations. So if the scale is such that the whole of the company is included, how do we know when to stop and assess the real impact of the changes that we've implemented before considering any further changes? I asked our experts, do you think there is a limit to the scope of the digitalization of business? Moritz Dan. I think, I mean, there's always a human element to, um, to work. And I think there's, you can't replace all human interaction with, uh, with machines or devices or uh, even we are also working a lot with entirely remote companies. So they're dispersed over the whole world um, but even for them it's really important to actually bring the whole uh, workforce together and uh, at, at company offsites and to have that human uh, interaction um, sure you can do a lot digitally nowadays but i think there will always be an element um, and i think that's where the limits probably of digitalization uh, are
until we are replaced or replaced by AI, of course, and robots. Kathy <laughs> yeah. McCabe. I don't necessarily think there's a limit. I think there's perhaps um, a capacity issue. So often when you're making a lot of changes, um, you need to kind of have a real grasp of the business capacity to change um, whilst the engine's still running. And I think that's where the limitation comes in sometimes around being able to um, focus on clear foundation requirements for digitalization, but also then look at how you can innovate at the edge and experiment to test and learn. Stacey Bevan. No, only in terms of compliance and regulations, I would say, no. Pablo Penny. I don't think there's a limit. I think you need the right expertise to drive it forward in the company. You need the right management to drive it forward. Um, but there are definitely sectors that are slower in digitization. Often that's related to things like um, regulation. Um, for instance, the health sector is definitely a little slower than other sectors, but it's also picking up a lot. There's a lot of like kind of startups around that are developing now um, around the health sector. So I think it's kind of actually touching all areas, but like old industries, traditional industries are definitely that's it's it's a, it's a lot slower also because their core product isn't digital and never will be. Jason Stokes. There's always going to be a saturation point where kind of everybody is digital and everybody is kind of trying to fight for the same customers as, as they were previously. If you look at Google AdWords, you know, Google AdWords 10 years ago was incredibly cost effective. It's now remarkably saturated, but it's still a really effective way to be able to kind of drive customers to your business from a kind of fully digital point of view. If you're not going digital and you're not keeping up with kind of current trends, your business will end up kind of floundering as it were and you know the British high streets kind of seen this recently where you know businesses haven't adopted the modern mediums of keeping in contact with their customers and they're not effectively advertising where their customers aren't expecting them to advertise anymore they're continually doing what they knew was working have taken a risk affairs approach to not wanting to fully transform and ultimately have kind of you know failed because of it um they're going to have to pivot and it will be a case of, you know, every business going digital to the point of, you know, it being the current norm and standard. We are, of course, aiming for success with all of the changes that we implement in business. But success can mean many different things depending on what metrics we employ to define it. We could measure progress towards a predetermined target, for example, or against competitors. Also, the parameters for achieving success are in a constant state of change. I asked our experts, how would you define the gap between a successful company today and one of tomorrow? Pablo Penny. Yeah, I think that's actually a pretty hard question because it's really hard to, to predict the future. Uh, so I think successful companies of today are definitely the ones who've disrupted whole businesses, right? The most successful. If you look at companies like Airbnb with the hotel sector, what they did there, or Uber with you know the transport taxi sector, it's not rocket science what they did, but basically they've used big data to actually be super successful and actually have developed relatively simple business models with which a lot of users buy into and have basically grown. You know, 
actually organically just through doing that. Um, so I think big data still hasn't been fully cracked, like actually analyzing all of these data. But yeah, I think a, yeah, a company of tomorrow would do exactly that, disrupt like these big um, business sectors and um, do that by, by really focusing on data. Um, and yeah, that's crucial for, for new business models, really cracking big data and, and looking at data. Moritz Dahn. I think it's just basically one word or two to actually artificial intelligence. I think that's the gap, uh, right? As a company can be successful today without that element, uh, but the companies of tomorrow will have that embedded in kind of their, uh, their DNA. Um, basically, they're replacing all the traditional companies out there like law firms or so if they don't have uh, artificial intelligence uh, to to their um, um, basically if they don't tap into that that possibility then they will not be the company of tomorrow then they will be replaced by a artificial intelligence law firm which really makes use of of those um, yeah those new groundbreaking kind of technologies I saw an article yesterday on um, how basically the AI already beats like the top lawyers in, in the US uh, in, in kind of identifying is issues with with uh, with NDAs. That's kind of the first baby step, but it's it's already um, showing where where this is going for 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 law firms, but also for a lot of other jobs. Um, and they they need those companies need to evolve and and make more usage of of the brain of people to to become more innovative uh, rather than having uh, having their their, their workforce identifying issues in NDAs, for example, which is just a cumbersome cumbersome process and can actually be done better by the machine. Um, yeah, I, th I think in uh, when it comes to like in my own field, when it comes to actually marketing, you see a lot of jobs being replaced by the AI because the AI knows way better how to cluster all those subgroups of customers who are using your product. Um, and I think that's that's where I'm most excited by uh, because it's directly applicable for me. But I think also in, in, yeah, in terms of like um, finance, um, um, yeah, legal, we already talked about it. I, I do think like, yeah, also probably sentences could actually be more, more uh, justice or uh, more just if they're uh, done by an AI, uh, done by a real judge, but there's of course also a lot of like really big ethical dilemmas there. Kathy McCabe. I think that really the gap is really around customer again, because having being able to have a focus and a purpose of understanding why do why do we exist as a company? It's no longer just about. Um, a transaction selling dresses selling shoes it's very much about what is our purpose around that why do we exist what is our message for um, you know our brand you know is it a sustainability piece is it really around um, making lives better for other individuals and I think the gap there is really what we're seeing is those companies that are succeeding in today's age really do have a very clear purpose. Jason Stokes I think it all comes down to being able to kind of embrace new technology in kind of, you know, not necessarily a risk adverse way, but not being frightened to kind of take the risk on emerging technology. 
Um, you know, yes, there may be some investment, but it might be kind of time and resource for your business or brand to kind of start championing different mediums to connect with customers on. But, you know, effect, it's played off massively for a lot of the companies that we work with. You know, if some of the brands that are going through problems and struggles at the moment, if they adopted these kind of modern mediums five, six years ago, even two years ago, they probably wouldn't be in the same position they are now. Stacey Bevan. The companies that research and keep up to speed with the latest trends will obviously be more advanced. Um, the ones that don't keep up with the latest trends, if you don't adapt, I don't believe those companies will survive. Um, you know, we're in a different era and things are changing so rapidly. And if you don't keep up to the latest trends, then yes, I, I believe that companies simply won't survive. So I think that is the big, the big thing there. Thanks to advances in technology in recent years, we've seen remarkable change in how business is conducted. And those changes are going to keep on coming. Technological innovation is constant, be that either refining existing systems or redefining how to use them. So what is coming next? And how might those new developments impact operations? I asked our experts, in your area of expertise and in general, which new technologies do you see further disrupting business models? Kathy McCabe. I think mobile is continuing. I think we everything is shifting to you know the consumers using their mobile for virtually everything um, now. So I think how that then um, becomes embedded in our day to day, how we shop and, and how we consume goods and services, will become further um, ingrained into everyday practices. Um, so being able to provide your consumer with the end offering and that experience is really key and things like AR and VR, VR play into that so how can you bring you know the, the experience of going into a physical location and touching and feeling something and bringing that alive in a, in a digital way um, and then the other area I would say is around voice so voice is kind of changing a lot of ways in which we search um, still kind of at the early days but you can see that becoming more and more common to the point where we probably won't use screens to, to find things in five years' time. Stacey Bevan. I'd probably say uh, artificial intelligence. Um, there's a lot of concern with artificial intelligence. There's a lot of fear around that at the moment. Um, a lot of people are saying, you know, we're going to lose our jobs, you know, they're going to take over and, you know, these machines go to take over and, you know, where it's, it's actually quite the opposite. You know, AI is there to take away those repetitive mundane tasks um, and that will increase efficiency within other job roles and it will also create additional job roles. Um, so people should be in the mindset of, okay, you know, it's not going to replace, but it's going to enhance and we're going to be working alongside that. So it won't take away jobs. If anything, it's going to create more. Jason Stokes. I think social is an interesting um, kind of an interesting concept in the way that social's even changed in kind of 18 months. Um, if you look at the fact that you can now click from an Instagram post all the way through to a checkout within kind of one or two clicks, and that's only in 18 months that you've been able to do that. You know, technology's moving on really quickly, and it was only six months ago where you're now able to open uh, a product on an iPhone and view it in augmented reality as if it was kind of sat in the corner of your room. 
it's these are massive experiences and technologies which are going to be able to or going to um, you know, help help businesses kind of take the next step as it were. New technologies disrupting kind of businesses is kind of really interesting to watch. It's been rolled out over the last year and really interesting to see where it's going. Um, augmented reality for us, something that's playing a kind of key part in being able to offer kind of an immersive experience to your customer base at the moment. I think this is only going to kind of become more kind of prominent as virtual reality kind of comes into this as well. So being able to walk around a virtual shop, for instance, and pick pieces of clothing up and see an avatar of yourself kind of wearing these clothes to be able to kind of style match different outfits. Uh, also sizing kind of fit recommendations. We're starting to see this a little bit more with kind of clever algorithms, understanding your height and weight and kind of effectively a couple measurements and pretty much being able to algorithmically say, this is the right fit for you reducing the returns so ultimately you know that the technology and the innovation out there is exceptionally kind of powerful and what's going to be coming out next is going to be really interesting over the next uh, next few years so ar is a really interesting piece at the moment and especially with shopify kind of bringing out a native functionality to be able to add uh, 3d models kind of into any store and kind of publicly get that up in a browser um, they've seen the likes of kind of nike and other brands out there that have used kind of Snapchat's AR kind of solution uh, to be able to showcase kind of shoes on somebody's feet. We've got clients out there, Patrick Mavros is a client called Pure Cycles, where we've done AR examples of kind of bicycles. So you can effectively just put the bicycle in the room and kind of see it as if it was a life-size model, uh, as well as kind of furniture uh, retailers doing this as well. Moritz Dunn. I think um, what the, the area where I'm working in, uh, what, what's most exciting, what we see nowadays is actually uh, uh, MarTech, marketing technology evolving. Um, mobile marketing automation uh, has become one of the, the prime um, services that we are, we're working on and trying to get even savvier with. Uh, there's really cool technology out there that basically already automates the whole engagement with uh, with the consumer lifecycle marketing strategies that uh, use rich push notifications with uh, yeah interactive elements with directly with the consumer i think that's that's the most exciting part i think that that will actually also um, increasingly we will also adopt more ai into that technology um, I think that and there, there's uh, still a big gain for a lot of brands and enterprises to have that direct con connection with the consumer um, over mobile yeah Pablo Penny there's different ones so AI artificial intelligence is definitely something everybody is a bit scared of because, especially marketers because there's going to be a lot of automation around switching the right ads in the stores or giving consumers the right, the next app, the next preference without them even knowing it. Um, also, wearable devices is something where um, mobile experts really need to shift their focus to because that's going to become more and more important, maybe even integrated somewhere in your body, you know, devices. And you know, how do you basically shift your focus and your expertise from just the core mobile phone to also a lot of other devices. In the Google Play Store, you now have something called instant apps. So basically, you don't even install an app anymore. You can just 
tap try now and it will you can try it straight away and um, basically that's a focus so you know everything will be accessible straight away users will switch even quicker from to the next product and actually retaining those users that's going to become harder and harder uh, apart from that for apps artificial intelligence and virtual reality are actually pretty big we've seen the success of pokemon go everybody in the streets but that's just the start like that's not even been utilized properly yet they're still kind of growing that and once they've they've solved you know the whole ar kind of glasses thing and actually integrate that properly into mobile products that's going to become super exciting and everybody's going to be using that so that's one of the big big things definitely they've been saying it's going to happen for a while now but it's that's often the case with these this new groundbreaking uh, technology. So, I, I mean, it's more obvious if you look at the gaming sector. The gaming sector is always a bit ahead of, of the rest. So basically, there's already with uh, Oculus Lift, with the Steam VR store, you already have whole stores where you can download these games. And if you've tried it, I have had these glasses on and played one of these games. Some of them are pretty realistic, but that's going to... Basically, other sectors are going to learn from that. In the health sector, they're already starting to have classes. That's something they're trying out during operations like doctors. So they can basically have descriptions right next to uh, you know, some different things that they're, they're you know, operating on. Um, there's not the perfect use case yet, of course. Um, the problem is there's, it's very data intensive. Um, it's... Yeah, it, there, there's a lot of issues with, with artificial and virtual reality, but if you look at games, they definitely have, they, they're always the first to crack kind of, you know, the graphics and kind of the, the, the UI and so on. So it's going to be exciting to see how that looks more in the real world. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the Is Digital podcast from ISD. This episode was presented and produced by Ian McMurray. Please subscribe to listen to our upcoming episodes. To learn more about this and other digital topics, and for more information on ISDI's Global Executive Master in Digital Business and other programs, visit isdi.education. That's I-S-D-I dot education.